0: that's it that was your cue what was my cue that right there you're supposed to say masterpiece audio theater presents masterpiece audio theater presents that's right then you say myths from around the world myths from around the world A Stranded in the
1: Middle of Nowhere podcast. A Stranded in the Middle of Nowhere podcast? Well, where are we? How are we going to get home? I'm going to get scared!
0: Everything will be all right, trust me. This is a continuation from the Dog Days of Podcasting 2022.
1: Hello and welcome to Masterpiece Audio Theater. Welcome, come around the fire. Please sit, please sit. Pull up a... Pull up a stool, grab yourself a blanket, grab a snuggle buddy if they're here. We're about to go into part six of A Christmas Carol. Now, to recap what happened in part five, remember you were introduced to me, the ghost of Christmas past. I was very honored to play this part for the Empath Studios. Now, they don't know it, but I tried to sneak in on a couple extra lines. Hopefully, it makes through the editor and everybody can hear them. Anyway, please enjoy part six of A Christmas Carol.
0: Scrooge's former self grew larger at the words, and the room became a little darker and more dirty. The panels shrunk, the windows cracked, fragments of plaster fell out of the ceiling, and the naked lathes were shown instead. But how all this was brought about, Scrooge knew no more than you do. He only knew that it was quite correct, that everything had happened so, that there he was, alone again, when all the other boys had gone home for the jolly holidays. He was not reading now, but walking up and down despairingly. Scrooge looked at the ghost and, with a mournful shaking of his head, glanced anxiously towards the door. It opened and a little girl, much younger than the boy, came darting in and, putting her arms about his neck and often kissing him, addressed him as her
1: Dear, dear brother! I have come to bring you home, dear brother,
0: said the child, clapping her tiny hands and bending down to laugh.
1: To bring you home, home, home,
0: home. Home, little Fran," returned the boy. Yes, said the child, brimful of glee.
1: Home for good and all, home forever and ever. Father is so much kinder than he used to be that home's like heaven. He spoke so gently to me one dear night when I was going to bed that I was not afraid to ask him one more if you might come home. And he said, yes, you should, and sent me in a coach to bring you, and you're to be a man,
0: said the child, opening her eyes,
1: and never come back here. But first, we're to be together all the Christmas long and have the merriest time in all the world. You're quite a
0: woman, little Fran," exclaimed the boy. She clapped her hands and laughed, and tried to touch his head, but, being too little, laughed again and stood on tiptoe to embrace him. Then she began to drag him, in her childish eagerness, towards the door, and he, not loathing to go, accompanied her. A terrible voice in the hall called, "'Bring down Master Scrooge's box, there!" And in the hall appeared the schoolmaster himself, who glared on Master Scrooge with a ferocious condescension and threw him into a dreadful state of mind by shaking hands with him. He then conveyed him and his sister into the veriest old well of a shivering best parlour that was ever seen, where the maps upon the wall and the celestial and terrestrial globes in the windows were waxy with gold. Here he produced a decanter of curiously light wine, and a block of curiously heavy cake, and administered installments of those dainties to the young people. At the same time, sending out a meagre servant to offer a glass of something to the postboy, who answered that he thanked the gentleman, but if it was the same tap as he had tasted before, he'd rather not. Master Scrooge's trunk being by this time tied on top of the chaise, the children bade the schoolmaster goodbye right willingly and, getting into it, drove gaily down the garden sweep, the quick wheels dashing the hoar frost and snow from off the dark leaves of the evergreens like spray.
1: Always a delicate creature whom a breath might have withered, said the ghost, but she had a large heart. So she had, cried Scrooge, you're right, I'll not gain it, spirit, God forbid. She died a woman, said the ghost, and had, as I think, children.
0: One child, Scrooge returned. True, said the ghost. Your nephew, Scrooge seemed uneasy in his mind and answered briefly, yes. Although they had but that moment left the school behind them, they were now in the busy thoroughfares of a city, with the shadowy passengers passed and repassed, with the shadowy carts and coaches battled for the way, and all the strife and tumult of a real city were. It was made plain enough by the dressings of the shops that here, too, it was Christmas time again. But it was evening, and the streets were lighted up. The ghost stopped at a certain warehouse door and asked if Scrooge knew it. ''I know it!'' said Scrooge. ''Was I apprenticed here?'' They went in, at sight of an old gentleman in a Welsh wig, sitting behind such a high desk that if he'd been two inches taller, he must have knocked his head against the ceiling. Scrooge cried in great excitement. ''Why, that's old Fezwig! Bless his heart! That's Fezwig alive again!'' Old Feswig laid down his pen and looked up at the clock, which pointed to the hour of seven. He rubbed his hands, adjusted his capacious waistcoat, laughed all over himself from his shoes to his organ of benevolence, and called out, in a comfortable, oily, rich, fat, jovial voice, "'Yo ho there! Ebenezer! Dick!' Scrooge's former self, now a grown young man, came briskly in, accompanied by his fellow Prentice. "'Dick! Welcome to me! Sure!' said Scrooge to the ghost. Bless me, yes, there he is. He was
1: very much attached to me, was Dick. Poor Dak. There, dare
0: Yo ho, my boys, said Fezwig.
1: No more work tonight. Christmas Eve. Dick,
0: Christmas, Evener. Let's have the shutters up, cried old Fezwig with a sharp clap of his hands. Before a man could say Jack Robinson. You wouldn't believe how those two fellows went at it. They charged into the street with the shutters. One, two, three, had them up in their places. Four, five, six, barred them and pinned them. Seven, eight, nine, and came back before you could have gotten to twelve, panting like racehorses. Hilly-ho, cried old Feswig, skipping down from the high desk with wonderful agility. Clear away, my lads, and let's have lots of room here. Hilly-ho, Dick. Cheer up, Evanator. Clear away. There was nothing they wouldn't have cleared away, or couldn't have cleared away, with old Feswick looking on. It was done in a minute. Every movable was packed off, as if it were dismissed from public life forevermore. The floor was swept and watered, the lamps were trimmed, fuel was heaped upon the fire, and the warehouse was snug and warm and dry, and bright a ballroom as you would desire to see upon a winter's night." In came a fiddler with a music book, and went up to the lofty desk and made an orchestra of it, and tuned like fifty stomach aches. In came Mrs. Feswig, one vast substantial smile. In came the three Miss Feswigs, beaming and lovable. In came the six young followers whose hearts they broke. In came all the young men and women employed in the business, in came the housemaid with her cousin the baker, in came the cook with her brother's particular friend the milkman, in came the boy from over the way who suspected of not having bored enough from his master, trying to hide himself behind the girl from next door but one who was proved to have had her ears pulled by her mistress. In they all came, one after another, some shyly, some boldly, some gracefully, some awkwardly, some pushing, some pulling. In they all came, and how, and every how, away they all went. Twenty couple at once, hands half round and back again the other way, down the middle and up again, round and round in various stages of affectionate groping, top couple always turning up in the wrong place, new top couple starting off again as soon as they got there, all top couples at last, and not a bottom one to help them. When this result was brought about, old Fezwig, clapping his hands to stop the dance, cried out, Well done! And the fiddler plunged his hot face into a pot of porter, especially provided for that purpose. But, scorning rest upon his reappearance, he instantly began again, though there were no dancers yet, as if the other fiddler had been carried off home, exhausted on a shutter, and he were a brand new man, resolved to beat him out of sight or perish. There were more dancers, and there were more forfeits, and more dancers, and there was cake, and there was knee and there was a great piece of cold roast, and there was a great piece of cold boiled. There were mince pies and plenty of beer, but the great effect of the evening came after the roast and the boiled, when the fiddler, an artful dog mind, the sort of man who knew his business better than you or I could have told him, struck up Sir Roger de Coverley. Then Old Feswig stood out to dance with Mrs. Feswig, top couple too, with a good stiff piece of work cut out for them, three or four and twenty pair of partners, people who were not to be trifled with, people who would dance and had no notion of walking. But if they had been twice as many, ah, four times, Old Feswig would have been a match for them, and so would Mrs. Feswig. As to her, she was worthy to be his partner in every sense of the term. If that's not high praise, tell me higher and I'll use it. A positive light appeared to issue from Feswig's calves. They shone in every part of the dance like moons. You couldn't have predicted at any given time what would become of them next. And when old Feswig and Mrs Feswig had gone all through the dance, advance and retire, both hands to your partner, bow and curtsy, corkscrew, thread the needle and back again to your place, Feswig cut, cut so deftly that he appeared to wink with his legs and came up upon his feet again without a stagger. When the clock struck eleven, this domestic ball broke up. Mr. and Mrs. Feswig took their stations, one on either side of the door, and, shaking hands with every person individually as he or she went out, wished him or her a Merry Christmas. When everybody had retired but the two apprentices, they did the same to them, and thus the cheerful voices died away, and the lads were left to their beds, which were under the counter in the back shop. During the whole of this time, Scrooge had acted like a man out of his wits. His heart and soul were in the scene with his former self. He corroborated everything, remembered everything, enjoyed everything, and underwent the strangest agitation. It was not until now, when the bright faces of his former self and Dick were turned from them, that he remembered the ghost and became conscious that it was looking full upon him, while the light upon his head burnt very clear. The small matter said the ghost, to make these silly folks so full of gratitude. Small, echoed Scrooge. The spirit signed to him to listen to the two apprentices, who were pouring out their hearts in praise of Feswick, and when he had done so said,
1: Why, why is it not? He has spent but a few pounds of your mortal money, three or four perhaps. Is that so much that he deserves his praise?
0: That isn't that? "'said Scrooge, heated by the remark "'and speaking unconsciously like his former, "'not his latter self. "'It's not that, that spirit. "'He has the power to render us happy or unhappy, "'to make our service light or burdensome, "'a pleasure or a toil. "'See that his power lies in the words and the looks "'and the things so slight and insignificant "'that it is impossible to add and count them up. "'What then? "'The happiness he gives is quite as great "'as if it costs a fortune!' "'He felt the spirit's glance and stopped.' What is the matter? asked the ghost. Nothing particular, said Scrooge. Something, I think, the ghost insisted. No, said Scrooge. No, I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now. That's all. His former self turned down the lamps as he gave an utterance to the wish, and Scrooge and the ghost again stood side by side in the open air. Oh. You have been listening to MPAT Studios' presentation of The Myths from Around the World, a special Dog Days of Podcasting contribution. Sound clips are from GarageBand and can be found in their samples library. The stories that we have shared can be found at gutenberg.org. We can be found on Facebook on the Masterpiece Audio Theatre page, on nimlas.org, or you can email us at j at jglangjans.com. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 Unported License.
1: Thanks for joining us.